Welcome to the QAV podcast. If you're brand new, I just want to introduce the podcast a little bit so you know what you're getting yourself into. If you've listened to the show before, feel free to just fast forward a minute or two. If you're brand new, here's the deal. Uh, my name's Cameron Riley. Tony Kynaston is an old friend of mine. He's a very successful share market investor. I'm talking very, very, very successful. He's been doing it 30 years. He's one of the best in the country in terms of a private investor. Very good uh, track record over 30 years. And what this podcast is about is Tony basically teaches me everything that he knows about investing in the stock market. And you get to listen. But if you're coming into this for the first time, you'll find that this episode, the current episodes, assume a certain level of prior knowledge. We assume that you know what we're talking about, his system, his methodology, which we explain in earlier episodes. So feel free to listen if you want to get the vibe for what's going on, but some of it's not going to make much sense unless you understand what the checklist is, etc. I recommend if you're brand new, you go back and listen to uh, Season 3, Episode 1, Episode 3, and Episode 5, where we go into Tony's background and his system and his methodology in a lot more detail. And then feel free to listen to the contemporary episodes, the current episodes. You'll understand more of the context of what we're talking about. With that, let's get into today's show. Welcome back to QAV, Tony Kyniston, Monday 27th of July 2020. Uh, as of time of recording, you are not in a COVID hotspot, but uh, we have to finish this one quickly so you can get out of town yeah. in case something happens, because you're coming up to Brizzy. Uh, that's right. Yeah, looking forward to coming up to Brizzy to have our dinner, but uh, yeah, we're across the road from a COVID case, so uh, hoping I can still get across the border. <laughs> hey, before we get into, uh, we don't have many questions this week. Thanks to our mate Andrew in Sydney who sent us some. Otherwise, we would be questionless. Um, I've got a couple of articles I wanted to talk to you about before we get into that, though. Um, I, set, I, I, I added these late notice this morning to our notes. I'm not sure if you've had a chance to see them. But the first one was a story in the Finn this morning uh, about a group called the Collins Street Value Fund. You heard of those guys before? I haven't, no. I did, did glance at the article after you sent that through. Yeah, well, I'll just read some of the highlights I thought you'd like, you know, sort of uh, related to it. They uh, run by, it's run by a guy called Michael Goldberg, I would assume out of Collins Street in Melbourne. Uh, story says, the fund placed third in the Mercer Survey of Investment Manager Performance beaten only by a long short fund started in May 2019 and a growth fund with overweight holdings in the market's highest flyer, zero afterpay, etc. Michael Goldberg says, I think what differentiates us is that we manage a concentrated portfolio of our favourite ideas. I thought that sounded familiar. We're not compelled mm -hmm. to buy something because it makes up a large portion of the stock market and we're not diluting our favourite ideas with our 15th or 20th favorite idea we're just buying our favorite stocks 
And uh, I recalled that it, the title of last week's episode was Deworsification. Yes, so that's right. I like that. That's going to be the title of my next book. Uh, his fund made a return of 13.5% through 2019-2020 compared with the S&P ASX 200 index, which fell 7.7%. So it's pretty good comparative performance. They've done well. Yeah, they've done well. And, of course, it just puts the lie to this whole headline that goes out there that value investing is dead which is where the article started by saying that and then it went into this guy's story Um, he says over the last 12 months it's been exceptional and 70% of the stocks we've owned over the last year went up in a market that was down more than 7% we're not getting it right every time but we're spending all the time we can to get to that informational advantage and ensure we're not taking risks we don't understand Sounds familiar. The company runs a high conviction concentrated portfolio holding on average between 10 and 15 stocks at any given time. There you go, even less than your 20. We're running our own race, he says. We spend so much time working on the stocks we end up buying, looking for that information advantage, finding those businesses that are most attractive to us. And I've never really understood why people are so eager to diversify their exposure away from their best ideas. Correct. Correct. Hey, hey, you like this guy? I do. And And, and, you know, it brings to mind what Buffett said that diversification isn't risk management, isn't risk mitigation. And concentration concentrates the mind. You're going to think a a lot harder about buying a big position in 10 stocks than you are about buying an index fund. Yeah. Mm. Article finishes with this. While many investors in the last few years have topped the Mercer charts due to their exposure to tech stocks, Goldberg hasn't gone anywhere near it for his returns. Would I have liked to have bought Afterpay at $8 and now it's sitting on $60? Of course I would. But I could never see myself taking a punt on them at $8, he says. The buy now, pay later sector, they legitimately could be an industry that replaces credit cards, but even if that is the case... How do you value this thing? If you want to value them on the basis of their earnings, you're a million miles away from anything that could be considered value. Goldberg also believes it is unreasonable that some value investors have been chastised for not chasing the returns in the sector. The market will do what the market will do. I don't think it's fair in a market that's being driven by technology to people who aren't playing in that space to expect them to match the market. It's just unreasonable, he says. It's going to be a challenge for a value investor to outperform the market when markets are being overly exuberant. It's just not where value investors will shine. I'm bearish about the market going forward, and I think in bear markets, you'll see the value investors seriously outperform. Um, I'm going to reach out to Mr. Goldberg, see if we can get him on the show for a chat. Good idea. Uh, But, um, you know, again, and, and it... The thing that pops out to me in my studies in this space now is that it's, again, as I think I said last week, our job isn't to outperform the uh, high risk, high growth part of the market. It's just to outperform the index, get our average 20% per year return with low risk and uh, keep doing what we're doing, right? Correct. Yeah. And sleep at night. Stick to the plan. The plan is 20% yes. on average, year in, year out, low risk, sleep well at night, yep. play golf, low effort, low risk, and let the market do what the market's doing. Right? Yeah, and I, I did read the article this morning before you um, before we started recording, and he, he 
does have a different approach to what I do in terms of he likes to research the heck out of the stock he buys, the company he buys, and meet with management and understand the business and try and get what he calls the information advantage and then and then buy into that, that share. And that's completely valid, but it's not something I want to spend the rest of my life doing because um, you know, it's very time consuming. Uh, I, I've, I have a system and I don't need to do that much in-depth research into each individual company, but still get similar sort of returns. So yeah. different strokes for different folks, but... Um, yeah, I just thought I'd mention that because it is something slightly different to what we do. Yeah, well, yeah, in in the nitty gritties, he's investing in these uh, small companies that he goes out and does a lot of research on, as you say. Mm. But um, in essence, he's looking for value. You're looking for value. He's finding Correct. it. You're finding it. Both performing well. So, yeah, as you said before, it puts light of the argument that value investing isn't working. Yeah, it does. And... And of course, uh, you know, the market was down 7%, even with the runaway tech stocks in it. So, um, mm. you know, he's he's outperformed the market as a value investor. Yeah. Even though it's supposed to be, you know, the dawn of a new age of tech stocks. It's <laughs> the age of Aquarius. <laughs> there was another article I just saw this morning in the Finn. No, sorry, the Aussie. Can forget the conventional wisdom. Large caps beat small caps in Australia. This is actually from late last week. Don't know if you've seen this. I haven't, no. By some guy called Jay Kumar. He says, It may surprise investors to hear that large capitalisation stocks have beaten small caps over all periods except the past 12 months, contrary to the conventional wisdom that small cap returns beat larger companies. I was I know we got an article, uh, sorry, a question about this we in do. the last couple of weeks. Yep. Um, this is a, based on a bunch of study that this guy, Jay Kumar, has done. Our factor analysis reveals that over longer term periods of 10 and 20 years, Australian large cap stocks outperform small caps convincingly. The research highlights this outperformance over three, five, ten, and twenty years. So that confirms what you said. By the way, Jay Kumar is the founder and managing director of Foresight Analytics. Whoever the mm, hell that okay. is. Yeah, haven't heard of them. Sorry. Mm. Yeah, I, I must admit it's. Um, I haven't done the research he's done, but it hasn't ever struck me that if you skewed one way or the other, you'd do better. So I've always just. Uh, or it's just been driven by the QIV score. And, and the only thing I look at is the liquidity so I don't get caught in any sort of small cap situations I can't get out of quickly. Mm. Um, yeah, but I haven't noticed any difference in performance for small caps or large caps. Mm. Mm. Well, there you go. Mr. Kumar uh, agrees with you. Thinks, yeah, mm. large caps do well. Okay. Well, that's that. Uh, you want to talk about the journal entries over the last week? Yep, There's a bit sure. of debate with at least one of them with Eddie online, so we might be able to... We'll leave that one to last. Um, so going back on the 20th, you said you removed like a podium. Like a podium. Hey! <laughs> it's, uh, you removed it from the buy list as it breached its three-point trend line. Yeah, that's right. So uh, like a podium is a mining engineering company. And uh, I think it may actually have gone up a little bit recently, so maybe it's back in. But no, it's it's touching its three-point trend line still as a sell. Uh, yeah, so it was on the buy list. It, it went up after the COVID dip, but now it's gone back down again. 
Yeah, I'm looking. So it's it's at four dollars thirty five today, and that's right on the sell line according to my hastily yeah. thrown ruler on a screen. Yep. I wanted to talk to you about that too. I was thinking of um, ordering some rulers for our listeners. We've got, a, we've got a friend who works in event management who can source some for us. We just need to tell her what we want. <laughs> well, I've spent a bit of time over the last few months trying to figure out how to design the perfect QAV ruler. <laughs> um, you know, it, it obviously has to have uh, a Schrodinger uh, alert <laughs> built into it somehow. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. All right, well... Get, get your yeah. face down and we'll get some made. <laughs> and I want something classy too. I don't want some cheap, you know, piece of plasticky nonsense. I want something right. classy made out of solid three-point trend line goodness. Um, so <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. All right. But let's let's talk. Anyway, so back to like a podium. Hey, uh, so the when you're drawing the byline here, you're going, you're starting at... Uh, Looks like it's probably February. No, the end of January, six dollars twenty-one, and you're drawing it through the next peak for eighty-eight in May, end of May. Yeah, but before that, I was actually drawing it through February because before that peak oh, came right. along, um, we could draw a trend line. That's when it became a buy. But yeah, yeah, if you take the, if you do now, you can take that next peak, the right. And it's still, peak. it's still a buy. But it's also a sell. It's a Schrodinger. It's a Schrodinger, yep. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't exist until you look at it. <laughs> Shh, turn away. Turn away. <laughs> we just put it back in the box for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, now you say you've removed it from the buy list. Now, again, for the sake of clarification, mm-hmm. um, it, it doesn't really matter if it's in the buy list or it's not in the buy list because we're going to generate a new buy list next time we want to buy something yeah so by removing it from the buy list i think all i did was to go into the master spreadsheet into the manually entered information tab and turn the confirmation of the uptrend from yes to no right yeah. but what i'm what i'm saying is you know, we've been trying to get clarification over the last couple of weeks on how you use the buy list. Mm-hmm. Um, when we called it a watch list, the impression was that you were looking at it and it was it somehow had some longevity, so it mattered what was in there and what wasn't in there. But um, just for sake of clarity, every time you're going to buy something, you run the filters again, Correct. which will produce a new output, which is the buy list. Mm-hmm. So it's it's going to be freshly generated every time you're going to buy something. So what's the point of removing something from your previous output? Oh, you still have to go into the manually entered data and change Lycopodium's uptrend from yes to no, which will remove. Ah, oh, right. So, so next it's, time you rerun the filter, it's going to be it won't be in the buy, it won't be a part of the buy list. But won't you check everything um, for the manually entered data to refresh it? anyway next time you run a filter well not necessarily because there's a lot there i mean i think the first thing to note and this is one of the questions that was sent through um because of the COVID downturn there's a lot on our watch list or our buy list you know there's 50 odd stocks which are part of our buy list uh give or take maybe 40 that's pretty unusual i mean sometimes it gets down to five or ten 
yeah. and things are chugging along. So, so we've got a lot of data to manipulate. So no, what I would do is I would run the filter, download it into the uh, master spreadsheet. I would then uh, do the sort in the buy list and look at the next thing I'm going to buy. And then I'd have a look at its three point trend line and see if it still holds up. And if it doesn't, and we have to do that process again, I might look at some of the ones which are higher on the list as well, or the next one down on the list. So you might finish up looking at half a dozen uh, trend lines to update that manually entered data uh, sheet on the work in the workbook. Uh, but I'm not going to do the whole lot because it's a big task. But what if LYL uh, goes above the buy line and above the sell line again? It's already yeah, above so- the buy line. Okay, so what so what I could do, what I tend to do for that, I'm just looking it up now. I haven't done it at the moment for Stock Doctor, but I probably should have, was to re-put in a price alert for the buy. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. So then I get a price alert from Stock Doctor saying it's back above our buy. Yeah, right. Okay, mm. and then you'll go in and change in the manual. So the, Correct, the, yeah. the, the manually entered data list um, is relevant week to week. Yeah, it's, it's, it's relevant, but it, uh, a lot of times it doesn't change. And you can put alerts into Stock Doctor for both sells and buys, which will alert you to update the, the manually entered data list. And right. I would certainly check it if I was about to buy a stock and just see if, it, if it's still in the buy scenario. Uh, and if it's not, then make the relevant changes and rerun the filter. But, but you know, keep checking the next one along in that list. So there might be a couple of changes, but look, I found that uh, that things, you know, how many? If you look at back through the journals, we've only had a couple of things that have gone from buy to sell um, in the last few months. Um, right, like a podiums one. I can't think of another. So they don't change that. Oh, at least there was one of the gold companies we had, AGD. I think changed as well. Went from a buy to a sell, but there's not many, and so we're only focusing on a few, the ones that we're interested in, rather than the whole spreadsheet. Does AGD stand for Agadu? <laughs> oh, well, we're doing 80s songs. I just had a bad flashback of weddings from the 80s. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and powder blue suits and ruffles are down the front in the shirts. Uh, oh. uh, <laughs> <clears throat> Well, there you go. How you do? Um, okay. Well, that's good. I understand a little bit better now how you use that. Yeah, and just, I mean, the reason why I've been calling it a watch list, and this, again, is also one of the things that came up in the Facebook group. If if you look at the the buy list, you know, <coughs> we draw a line at, at the QAV score of 0.1, but the next one down, 0.09, was Accent Group, and there was questions from Eddie on, on the Facebook page about, why we weren't buying Accent Group. Um, and so, you know, if something was, if we were interested in something for whatever reason, maybe we'd seen an article in the Financial Review or maybe it's, you know, reached its 52-point high uh, in those tables that I look at, any sort of reason at all, I might go in and, and rework through Accent Group and just make sure it's not, like it, it shouldn't be a point one rather than a point oh nine. Right. Again, its trend line may have changed as well, so we might need to update the manual data. Right. So, yeah, there's a, there's a few that are on that sort of cusp and they're worth looking at too. I, I'm not paying attention to them at the moment because I'm, you know, I went to a lot of cash on the way down in the COVID um, downturn and I'm just about spent all that cash again. So I'm just sitting at the moment. But um, 
we should mention next week reporting season starts, so we're going to have a, a bit of activity for the next month on um, right. with the watch list. Yeah, yeah, and you'll be on the road next week playing golf. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, it's it's um. I mean, first of all, the first week of reporting season isn't that busy. It doesn't usually hot up until the middle of the, of the month. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be back by then. But no, I've been on holidays before in, in August when reporting season comes around. And you, and you spend a, maybe an hour or two in the mornings looking at things and then go off and do your day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's not, not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. An hour or two a day of work for you, Tony. That's, I know. That's, that's a loss. I have to go and detox on the golf course after that. Hey, how was the, I saw photos of the whale watching. That looked good. You took Alex oh, out whale watching? Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. Weather was great. Uh, with the COVID restrictions, there was only 40 people on a big boat. Right. So it normally carries 120. So we all had you know good access to the rails to be able to watch them, and the, and the whales were amazing. Did they Just, um, play the whale song in the boat? No. Oh, I've only been out once. I took my boys out off the Gold Coast uh, many years ago, and yeah, they um, had like microphones in the, yeah. you know, underneath the boat, and then they turned on the speakers, and they were, you know, playing the whales singing through the boat. Yeah. That was beautiful. Okay, no, we didn't have that. No, uh, yeah, it was just it was amazing. There was two whales, two young ones apparently, that just kept breaching out of the water for about an hour. And we wow. just followed them along. It was great. Yeah. Mar- marvellous. Yeah. Marvellous. All right. Uh, let's see. What else have we got here? Uh, KCN became a buy. Kingsgate mm-hmm. consolidated. Uh, let's see. What do they do? Gold mining. Yep. I think we've had them in the W portfolio before, perhaps. I'm not sure. I know we've looked at them right. before. Yeah, Kingsgate Consolidated, it used to be called. What's it called now? Oh, it still is, sorry. Uh, yeah, so overseas gold miner. Uh, and I think they also do some silver mining uh, in Chile and in Thailand. Uh, but yeah, if you look at the graph, it's just come back into a buy situation. Right. In fact, you, yep, could, you, could probably, that. you could probably argue it's been in a buy for a while. Oh, really? Well, yeah. If you look at uh, the highest point back in... Back in where... Back in well, September 2015, September does, isn't, this, isn't that going to fall off? You, you created a new rule about the fudge. You <laughs> the f- fudge? A few weeks ago, are you going to fudge, fudge that one? No. Oh, well, okay. if we do, it'll still, I think there'll be the high point will still be on the left-hand side there for a while. But yeah. Right. It'll, okay. it'll definitely disappear in a month or two. Um, yeah, so that's the high point. Currently, the the... Over on the right, there's a high point on in January 2020, which is what they used to to make the current buy call. Yeah. But I think historically there was there was also a peak in November 17, and you, and that probably well, it would definitely have been a buy then right. back in what uh, April 19. Um, yeah, we, we would have we would have sold it again probably in February. Uh, sorry, April March 2020. And now we're rebuying. Right. Either way, it's it's a buy now. And a gold company. I mean, they're having yeah. a great a great run because gold prices getting up to close to two thousand dollars an ounce now, largely driven by fears of deflation and U.S. dollar going backwards and all sorts of things. Mm. 
People want to make sure that if the end times come, they can have a lot of gold to eat and uh, burn on the fire to <laughs> no. keep themselves warm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, to melt down and use for something. I don't know what. Yeah. Mm. Uh, okay, good. So people can have a look at that one if they're wanting to do some analysis. Have a look at Kingsgate Consolidated, KCN. KC and the Sunshine Band. <laughs> uh, I'll avoid going into play that uh even though i really want to all right well let's 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 talk about ami this is one of the other ones eddie talked about yep uh, he wanted to know uh why ami you were buying that why it passed your checklist because it didn't uh he didn't like the look of it on his checklist which he did send me thanks eddie i had a quick look at that this morning but i haven't had a chance to run my own analysis against it but i see i think somebody else in the forum daryl may have mm-hmm. run his thrown up his own analysis as well um you know we could do this do uh, ami we haven't done a an analysis live on the air for a while do you want to do one yeah sure all right. So I, I mean, I started buying up. into AMI because it was the next one down on my list, and right would probably be the last thing I buy, um, and become fully invested, and then probably you know as the reporting season goes on, might trade some stocks, right. swap some out, but we'll see. All right. Well, I am going to do this the old-fashioned way, uh, using my individual checklist. I did download the data this morning, so I have that handy. And that's actually, that's a good uh, point for people. At the moment, I'm looking at AMI in the master spreadsheet in the download data section, but I haven't done a filter download for, for the whole spreadsheet. But one of the things that you need to do if you're not doing a download is to update the share price column with the latest share price, so you've got the right details, so column K. Indeed, because that could make a big difference. Yeah. AMI. All right. Well, equity, 220 million. Million dollars. <laughs> We're having lots of 80s references this, this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... You know, people who listen to my history podcasts would know that that is uh, what I spend most of my time doing is 80s references. All right. uh, Does it have a positive trend? We've determined, yes, it does. Mm -hmm. Gets a two. Recent positive upturn, I'd say yes. Uh, Net operating cash flow. I have 91.723 million. Yes, me too. Mm-hmm. All right. Shares on issue. I've got uh, 873.98 million. Cash per share comes in at 10 cents. Mm-hmm. The share price today is 62 cents. Oh, okay. What? I've got 0.605, but let me just refresh. Uh, I've got a price from 1010. Mm. 610 now. Yeah, 610. I've gone down since I opened it up this morning. Okay. 
So six, 61 cents gives me a price to cash ratio of 5.81, which is less than our cutoff of seven. So it gets a two for that. Dividend yield, I'm getting 3.23. So let me have a look at that. Yep. And the mortgage rate. I've got 3% in my sheet still. What are you using for the mortgage I'm rate at the I'm moment? I'm using 3 as well. Okay. Yep. Um, so it's above that. So it gets a 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, Priced earnings ratio, 21.4. Which is not less than the yield. Um, is it the lowest PE in the last three years? Let me go to Stock Doctor and have a look. No, it's not. In fact, it's the highest. Oh, yeah. Long, yeah, very much so. Uh, three years? Yeah, okay. It was higher back in June 16, but... Um, where are we now? June 1, 2, 3. Yeah, okay. All right. So it gets a uh, zero. Actually, no, does it get, it get a minus one? It does, yeah, because it's the highest. Yeah. Goodness gracious me. Goodness gracious me. <laughs> I listened to that yesterday. You know that song? No, what song's that? <laughs> Peter Sellers and... Uh, oh, Birdie Num Num. Yeah, well, I, I don't think it's the from part. that... F- okay. Yeah, it might be. It actually might be from that film, yeah. This was with him and Sophia Loren. <laughs> Doctor, I'm in trouble. Well, goodness gracious me. <laughs> For every time a certain man is standing next to me, mm-hmm. a flash comes to my face and my pulse begins to race. It goes Ah, goodness gracious me. <laughs> uh, so where are we? Okay, back to... Yep, we just AMI. did the th- uh, new three-point upturn, record low, six PEs. Okay, gets a minus one for Correct. having the high PE. All right, uh, net equity, 220.314 million. Does it have consistently increasing equity? Bring up my financials. I had no... Oh, okay. Be like that then. <laughs> this was the company that I don't remember if you recall, but uh, I think it was on our either on our watch list or we bought it for the dummy portfolio, and then the MD resigned, and the share price went down. How could he do that to us? Yeah, and now it's bouncing back up again. But no, it's uh, over the last six halves. It has ooh yes no the last half. June 19 was 221 million and then December 19 was 220 million. Right. Missed it by that much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, according to the the Bible, consistently increasing equity, if that's negative, it gets a zero. Mm-hmm. 
Share price 61, net equity per share is 25 cents. Share price is well above that, so it doesn't get a score for that. Gives me a price to book ratio of 142%, which is not less than 30% above the NEPs, so it doesn't get a score for that either. Mm-hmm. Earnings per share, let me see. Earnings per share, before abnormals, after abnormals. Well, that's the end of the free episode for this week. For the brand new folks, I want you to know that each week we have a free episode and a premium episode. Free episode runs about half an hour. Premium episode usually runs for an extra half hour to an hour, depending on how many questions we have from our audience that week, because we spend a lot of that time answering questions. Uh, If you want to check out the premium episodes, you can go up to our website, qavpodcast.com.au and sign up for the two-week free trial. You get to have a look at the uh, premium episodes. You get to have a look at the checklist, the getting started guide, all of the video content that we have. Uh, You get invited to our VIP dinners and our VIP Zoom calls for club members. You get to ask Tony questions that we can answer. You get to get invited to our uh, Facebook group, our private Facebook group, etc., etc. So, And also uh, we get a, a private uh, club member newsletter each week we send out as well with some stuff in it. So check that out, qavpodcast.com.au. But as I said, if you're brand new and you wanna, you're want to, you trying to figure out what's going on, go back and listen to Season 3, Episodes 1, 3, and 5, 301, 303, and 305. And then you might also want to go back and listen to Season 1, as well, all of the free episodes in season one, where we go into a lot of detail about Tony's system and methodology and figure out if this is right for you, if it's something that you want to go further with, if you want to learn how to invest like Tony does, then you can check out the uh, QAV Club. Uh, The other thing I always have to say is we're not financial advisors, so don't take anything you hear on this as financial advice. This is just here to teach how one guy invests and thinks about investing. If you need financial advice or tax advice, please go see a financial advisor or tax advisor. Uh, With that, stay safe. Good luck with your investing. And we'll be back next week. 